All right, I guess I'd say welcome back to Tundra Talk, live and on location. <laughs> um, after last week, well, Matt Herkstroder's back on. We're all, a few of us out ice fishing, enjoying a pretty awesome March March day, huh? Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. It's definitely pretty nice out today. Got my, my jerry-rigged ice fishing pole the butt end of my my ugly stick <laughs> we've caught some fish on it it so works all right i don't know i like those ones you guys made those dowels yeah they're just dowels with some uh i don't know i got a variety of line on them some of it's just some ha- old halibut line some of it's some i think i have braid on one and then i just got some mono on another one yeah it's but, not like you need i mean we're pike fishing and i mean they're not like we're fishing 80 feet of water no you don't really need need a reel. I'm using a, a rod with a reel today, but you don't really need it too much. Yeah. What you didn't you say you bought a bunch of new line for that and spooled it up yesterday, and then this morning first thing you had to rip half the line off. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know why, but it, half of it all unspooled off there. So it was in a big watered up knotted mess, and I just cut it off, and <laughs> I've well, got probably thirty feet left of it. Just. That's all I really need. But just set the drag tight. Yeah. But I, it's uh, pretty pretty much kind of ticked me off because I just put brand new line on it, and now it's in a wad of wadded mess in my toe sled. Yeah. I guess serves you right for making fun of me. I pull my <laughs> rod out of my backpack, and I had, you know, because I, I had my line run through both sections of rod, and I had to, you know, pull some line out yeah. to... Uh, Get it back through and leave the leave the the business end at home. But uh, I go oh pull my rod out of the backpack and pull on the drag and it's just free spool and <laughs> tighten the drag all the way down. Nothing. I don't know what was up with it, but yeah, I don't. I think it seemed like it straightened itself out after a few minutes. Yeah, it could have been maybe froze up or something. Who knows? But I keep looking at your brother over there, just having a pity party all by himself. <laughs> But no, we've been having a good day so far. It's uh, I don't know what, because we can keep ten. Well, per it's a family permit, yeah. so we can keep ten each. Ten per household. So. And I don't know. We've caught some pretty some pretty nice ones. Not nothing crazy big, but no, it's been it's been a good day. It's a little slow compared to sometimes I've been down here, but I mean we've did. I think we did all right. Yeah, sure. yeah they've kind of it's kind of died off lately. When we set this stuff up, hopefully, hopefully to to trick them into thinking we're off our game. Yeah, no kidding. But it sure would be. It would. I mean, be I nice probably to... caught twenty. Oh yeah, yeah. We've we've caught quite a few, and I don't know. The first ones though, this morning were kind of smaller. Yeah, I thought we were. I thought we were going to get kind of fishing through all the little ones and getting to some of the big ones when Caleb. Pulled that one up, and then I caught that that other big one. I thought it was gonna. We were getting ready for business, and then it kind of died off again. Yep. Well, we did get to see the biggest fish that we've ever seen on this trip. So. <laughs> ever seen in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Well, what's bet with those little dowel rods? You know, where you kind of like hand line them up. <laughs> what's funny is the. Kids get them, get one hooked, and just take off like Happy Gilmore, just running yep. for it. And fish come shooting up out of the hole. Yeah, just you could do that when you got a hundred pound test on there. Yeah. Just, <laughs> it's like winch line. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's, uh, I don't get out and do a heck of a lot of ice fishing, so it's kind of nice to, well, in this time, like we were talking this time of year, is just, you end up going, you're going nuts or have been going nuts for a while, and then you get nice days. Well, you you got some blood on your hands today. Got a little bit. Yeah, I got the, the gill finger a little bit cut up. That'll hold you over till beer season, maybe. Oh, I don't know. It's probably not going to be enough, but it doesn't hurt. It's still not the same thing, but... Ice fishing's a blast. I enjoy it. It's uh, especially days like today, and no pressure. You just kind of have some fun, and we got the kids down. Some of the kids today, so they're all I running think around. And yeah, they're done fishing. I think right now, though. Interesting. The interesting thing that you know the guy earlier was saying. Oh, it seems like anytime anyone drives by on a sled or fires up an auger or something, the bite picks up, and it's kind of been been a little bit true so the kids have had to go wake the fish up every once in a yep. while they ride around circles where we're fishing so do you have a little something there i don't know it felt heavy for a second but no wonder if my line well be... those well we were the ones we were catching this morning seemed to be just clobbering it oh they were yeah they were hitting it hard but and then since we moved out moved you know down river a little ways it's uh just like a lot of just tap tap, I've caught several that I didn't even realize they were they were biting it till I went to jig and ended yeah up felt the something hook. heavy on the line there. Yeah, they've they kind of I don't know I don't know why they do that. Um, if it's just time of day, maybe they're not quite as hungry. I mean, they're going to eat, but yeah, I don't know. It's kind of kind of strange. Even these bigger ones we caught, I don't think. The least the ones that I caught there, none of them hit hard. They were all pretty pretty soft bites. Yeah, what well, I mean, we they're all they're all in that mid thirty inch range. We haven't caught one. I don't think that's forty. I think Dylan's was thirty seven. Yeah, but yeah. big like fat. Yeah, nice good looking fish. Bike. Definitely nice nice fish. That thing I was saying. I know what I noticed is it seems like a lot of them are super pale colored. It seems like I remember talking to Frank about that too this last summer, where's, you know, different spots catching or different times of year, maybe do like the coloration of the pike. I don't know if it depends on the area or what's going on, if they like will change color. Cause a lot of them are like gold, like look like a smallmouth bass kind of yeah, coloration. We caught, last year we caught some down here that I was telling you that were almost orange. They yeah. They were really orange colored. Um, I mean, I would say this is typical of what I've seen here before, but I mean, the, I haven't seen any orange ones this no. year that we've caught. I mean, that one, that one on the ice just looks like a pike, you know, but yeah. like some spots have seen them where they're just dark, like black almost. Do their spots, I mean, are their spots still standing out? Yeah. You know, really yeah. A little bit. It's just, just like over the overall, like the, the dark portion is much darker. Much darker. And some I, some spots you see them that it's just green. I would venture the bet that's just the water they're in. Maybe. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, because I I would imagine they're probably pretty camouflaged under the water. You know their yeah. their markings and their coloration and stuff. But I mean, I don't know. This water here is it's clear right now, but in the summertime it's real brackish kind of yeah. rusty yep. colored. I guess you would. I, there's it. actually still some of that in the water. You can see around that oh, hole yeah. that I had there. It's kind of that brackish color. <laughs> yeah. 
but now it's a great day, not even much overflow at all. You know, usually this time of year you start getting, stuff starts warming up, ice gets heavy and you get some overflow, but there's a little bit right here, but nothing bad. No, I would think in the next few weeks, if it stays warm, you'll, there'll be some more showing up here for sure. But yeah. And, uh. All the stupid bikes flopping around about scare me to death hit something. But uh, oh, I was going to say, you know, in the, the shelf ice in here, I've, I don't know, have you ever been on one of these rivers when that stuff actually collapses? I've drove across stuff before that, you know, and the weight of the sled has kind of collapsed it, but not down the whole whole length, like, you know, not this whole stretch of river collapsed, you yeah. know, or something. Because what that shelf ice from when it initially, I'm assuming when it initially froze up in the fall and the water was high, it uh, looks like, I mean, it's a foot and a half, two feet thick. Yeah. Did and you, then it's like, but it's like five feet above where the ice we're on now is. Yep. Well, that's a, um, it's like that a lot down here. I mean, when I've came down here ice fishing, at least it's almost always collapsed. Yeah. So at some point or another, you know, it. The water level is definitely way higher than, mm-hmm. you know, where it is now. When that happens, I don't know, like, what time of year, but... Yeah, and it's crazy that, to me, the different rivers, you know, depending on whether they're glacial-fed or... I don't know. Well, I think a lot of it depends on where they're coming from and, and whatnot, but some, you know, they all get some sort of, like, ice shelf collapsing, but, you know, like, some rivers aren't near as deep-channeled if that makes sense, like real high, you know, some of them have super high banks and kind of low and slow rivers. And then some of them, it seems like even when it does collapse, there really isn't nothing there. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, the, I think these rivers, it's something that's, they do change. I think fairly regular. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not too, uh, schooled up on running rivers with snow machines a lot. You just, cause they're so, yeah. Well, you basically, rule of thumb is try to avoid it. If, yeah. I, I mean, know, I feel like, pretty good coming down here, you know, yeah. especially after there's an established trail, you know, if you yeah. got people running it and stuff, but if you're out in the middle of nowhere, you know. It's like, I would, yeah, I, I never feel good about running on on rivers in the winter, you know, if, if you don't have to, or there's not like a super established, even sometimes where there is an established trail, all of a sudden one day, you know, it's overflowed or there's just the ice gets that, eroded under from yep. underneath i've seen that on the tanner quite a quite a few different times we used to ride ride out there a lot more i mean usually i don't do it too much anymore but i've seen where there's like holes just drop out you know in places and it's yeah. sometimes it's right where the trail's at oh yeah so i don't know they're just unpredictable you can't i think even Obviously, the more experience you have on them, the better you can read it, just like running a riverboat. But yeah. I don't feel like I would, I'm experienced enough to just start tearing out across some, you know, down some river and breaking trail. Yeah, and not just knowing. get out on the Yukon and, and <laughs> let it get, get to the throttle. And yeah, I know guys it. do it, but I just, I don't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, there's something to that. Like a lot of those old timers, I think, that spent a lot of time, well, and it may be specific rivers that they really know what to look for more than, you know, they may go somewhere else and it's kind of different situation. Yeah. 
Well, I think just year after year, though, that changes depending on water levels. Yeah. How much rain you get in the fall. I mean, that's what causes the shelf ice is high yeah. water. And then it drops. So, but I think knowing that stuff. Yeah. Can can give you a pretty good read on how the how the winter is going to be for running rivers, if you want to say oh, that. Oh, totally, you know? yeah. But I don't know. I still don't feel like I don't do it enough, so I don't really feel like I have a lot of experience at it. Yeah. And so I just, I'd rather play it safe. Yeah, me Falling too. through the ice doesn't sound fun. No, even getting just bogged down in a bunch of overflows can be dangerous. Dangerous <laughs> and not fun either. You know, you get you get your sled in there and it's all like all wet, thawed out water, but you let it sit overnight. Once it's disturbed, it doesn't have that snow to insulate it. Yep. Freeze your sled in or you know, I'm sure that's happened to a number of guys. Yeah, I'm sure it has. Yeah, your kind of time is of the essence at that point. I mean, especially if it's in the middle of winter when it's cold out, you know. Yeah. I mean, th- it ain't going to take long to freeze a sled in if you can't no. get the thing out. Or, you know, you get it out and you don't, you can't get it out and run run it hard and blow all that excess, you know, slush out of your track. Yep. Freeze your track up and you, you aren't, you'll just burn up your belt trying to go. Yeah, I've had in the spring when you get the wet, heavy snow. Mm-hmm. And you get the bet, you get buildup under your, like in your tunnel. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been just cruising the trail and <laughs> one time it scared me. I thought I just totally <laughs> blew a belt or something. Yeah, cruising along about forty, you know, and just all of a sudden, boom! And it just it was a whole chunk of that that fell out from the tunnel. It just yeah scared me to death. Yeah, know? like my like my I don't know about that. Well, that five fifty years is just fan cooled, but that this one of mine has it has a radiator it's liquid cooled four stroke has radiator and but it has tunnel cooling as well so that tunnel's hot and you'll get slush and ice build up the head and like you said be running around and that big old chunk of ice falls on your track and gets slung around inside the tunnel yep yeah yeah it kinda, have, it'll wake you up if you're asleep oh yeah do you have a little action over there caleb mr mr too cool for bunny boots <laughs> He is wearing gaiters, though. I was telling Matt earlier, I don't know, the, I don't remember the exact point when I figured out, like, wearing gaiters over your bunny boots, trapping or doing anything, you know, this kind of stuff where you're getting slush. But uh, I won't go back, that's for sure. No, I I very rarely uh, not wear them anymore. I mean, anytime you're just trudging through out snow machine or trudging through snow, you know, with Bunny boots aren't very tall. They're super no. warm, but they're not tall, so it's easy to get snow in them or get ice. You know, I I would always have ice cake up my laces. Yep. Well, and I I like them even in the middle of winter because the, I think it just they're that much warmer. Oh, there he goes, little hammer handle. That's the same fish you've been catching for the past <laughs> hour. But yeah, I think the, I think those gators just—it's a little extra layer down there, you know, on your lower on your shin and stuff. I just noticed that they're a little bit warmer. Yeah. You know? Yep. It's a good thing you got your kuyu. Is all I got to say. <laughs> Be freezing to death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, you know, like I said, I was looking for a sponsorship today, but <laughs> tried to be all decked out. 
probably wasn't quite like the Bombardier uh, commercial. Oh guy. no, yeah. <laughs> so well, we got Caleb and I got stuck behind that that guy. A couple guys had had a br- looked like you know a fairly new model or late model. Is it late or new model when they're a new machine? Pretty new, spiffy yeah, looking I- Can Am four wheeler with the, decked out with the track kits and stuff and guy he came you know they came they were leaving came driving by I was like looks like he rode right out of a bombardier commercial yeah he did with the it's one of them helmets that it's kind of retarded i think did it, i don't know if i can use the r word but <laughs> i mean yeah if you're doing sketchy stuff you know high marking and stuff yeah wear a helmet i wore my helmet because it's super comfortable on long rides it's one of the full enclosed but that's one of those helmets that you see in all the commercials where it's got like the teeny visor on top and open face. I'm like, I don't think you're going to roll off of that thing or hit your head. Probably you know, not. I don't know. That's at least what I say to my to excuse myself for wearing a helmet out here. Well, I'm I'm guilty. I don't I don't typically ever wear one. Well, you're the only one going full full legit with your the Martin tails yep. blowing in the wind. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for an owl to swoop down and grab me. <laughs> grab your hat. <laughs> Caleb's just impervious. He just throws on a hoodie and oh, some kind of beanie and cruise all the way down here. <laughs> well, see, now that you didn't want to talk, so we can just talk about you. <laughs> but yeah, that well, that, I've those track things, I don't know. Maybe they're the best thing since sliced bread, but I just, I don't get, I think, you know, you're not going to get as good a performance in the snow as a snow machine and they're super expensive. I think you could get a nice four wheeler and a pretty nice snow machine for the amount you'd have to pay to get a four wheeler with tracks. I would agree. The thing they're, uh, I mean, they look nice, but they're, they're expensive and I just, I don't see the, really the advantage to them. Not in the winter time at least. Yeah. I don't know how they perform, like, in swamps and... Yeah, there may... I mean, I don't know. They make them for a reason. So, there's got to be some... Well, maybe. Or it's just that people want to buy them. I mean, you know how that is. You see stuff, it's just... Oh, that looks awesome. It's almost like a fad, you know, something like side-by-sides. You were talking about that. Yeah, I'm a little prejudiced about side-by-sides. Maybe... Unfair, because the argument could be made that, oh, well, you like to ride four-wheelers, and I do. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like, maybe that's where I draw the line on laziness, is, is my four-wheeler and then the side-by-side. Yeah, I don't there know. There are things that they'd be very nice for. Oh, there's definitely some stuff they'd be nice for. I just, I don't see the, I guess the big... Uh, what the hoopla necessarily is about them. Besides, more people could ride together. Yeah. I mean, maybe for a family, I guess, but I don't know. My four-wheelers always did anything I've ever wanted it to do, but I don't know. There's always a piece of equipment for, you know, that's perfect for everything. That, you know, may not be perfect for everything, but yeah, that's good all around. Yeah. Well, and I and, think the overall market form, I mean, I am seeing more and more of them show up, up here, but... Down in the states, it seems like they're. I mean, like a lot of those companies, that's the majority of what they're selling. Yeah, but there's places too in the states, and I mean, I only know this from when I went to Colorado hunting that time. 
the trails that we were on all had limitation. You know, they were limited, like kind of, I guess, limited use trail. I yeah. don't know what the technical name for it would be, but, you know, like most side-by-sides wouldn't fit. Yeah. Like they had to be a, no wider than a certain measurement. Hey, watch out, guys. But, yeah. You know, anyway, oh, the, got they another were, one. I can't remember if it was 54 inches wide or yeah. 52 or something like that, but, um, you know, yeah. they're, most of the standard side by sides, at least that we see up here, wouldn't be legal down there anyway on most of those trails. No. Well, I, I'm sure some of the varies. trails you're not supposed to use them on up here, people still do. Well, that's true, but, which I, is but they're not enforced that much. Yeah. I mean, but I think down there they are. Yeah. You know, and um, I just, I don't know. It's it's just like an Argo. I'd love to have an Argo, but there's restrictions on those up here. Yeah. And areas, you know, you can't use them and stuff. So yeah. it's a lot of money to spend for not being able to use them everywhere. Like yeah. a four-wheeler, I could use pretty much everywhere. And I guess, you no, know, those Argos, there's, that's another piece of equipment that, like, for a few things be worth their weight in gold but man they're uncomfortable to ride yeah in. they're not not smooth by any means i mean you know i grew up you know my dad had one and uh it was an older the older one i mean they've they've gotten way better now but that thing i mean it was it was a great piece of equipment to use in a lot of cases but there's a lot of they're high maintenance too yeah you know i don't know how the new ones are compared to them. I think they're a little bit better, but they're, uh, there's still a lot of moving parts in them. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes you can't beat walking either. You know? Yeah. Just, I mean, not all of us can afford an airplane. No. Like some people are in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nah. man. But, yeah, sure, the bite has slowed down. I figured we'd have three or four of them on the ice. Yeah, I don't know what what the deal is. That's all right. Got sat down and comfortable, I guess. So too much. Yeah, we're scaring the fish away. We're just trying to coax them in. I don't know. Uh, well, I was like the trooper landed down here, and we saw him walking up the river. I had to give him a hard time about flying an airplane, but he had to walk the river. Yeah, he kind of laughed. He thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's not all, yeah, to go just check somebody. It's not like you can land just anywhere, and then it sounded like he got his airplane stuck over there for a while. Yeah, we heard heard it messing around for a while over there, but. Yep. Definitely a faster faster day if he's got to go check. Oh, there he. Oh, got another Caleb's one. Caleb's got another one. He looks pretty excited. <laughs> Different one. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, what is the deal, man? It's like I nothing. don't know. It's just shut off. Which, yeah, I kind of wish. Uh, I was saying, if my boy was a little bit older, I'd have him down. I'd love to have him out here right now, but just a little bit too much of a trip. He needs to go to like Chena Lakes and get, you know catch those little soccer rainbows. Yeah. Well, before you know it, he'll be he'll be old enough for sure. Doesn't take him very long. Nope. Nope, that's the impression I'm getting. He's already wanting to do the stuff, so. 
Well, I remember when Dylan was, it was kind of funny, his sister would touch fish before he would. He was kind of like. A little standoffish yeah, with them. Yeah, bugs, fish, anything. He was, for, for a while there, when he was oh, little. Oh, did you have one? Maybe. Bite. I don't know. It felt a little, got a little, it wasn't very hard one, but maybe I'm just getting jumpy. <laughs> but now, you oh, know, he's Caleb's kinda, got another one. Man. Yeah, he's or, over here making fun of us because we're talking and he's catching the fish. Yeah, he's now. catching all the fish. <laughs> Oops, still got some bait on there. Yeah, you usually you I've only gone a couple times for lake trout. You used, you've done quite a bit of lake trout ice fishing, haven't you? Yeah, I wouldn't say a lot, but I mean I've I've been doing more and more of it every year. I still hopefully this year we'll get out a few times. Um yeah, if you can get out in the mountain, you know, yeah, and that's down in the mountains when the weather's nice and there's a lot of daylight. That's typically what I like. I mean, it's, and actually spend time, you know, we'll go out and we'll spend four or five days and we'll camp out and, you know, just try to pick lakes apart. You know, we, a lot of times we'll go to a lake we've never been and try it and, and, uh, it's just a lot of hole drilling and a lot of moving around until you can find something, you know, and. But it's fun. I mean, I, I really, I've over the past few years, I've really gotten more and more into that. And uh, I've learned a lot, mostly from buddies of mine that are definitely better at it. But I've picked up things from them. And, and uh, definitely has made success a lot better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's it, some, some, like, serious savvy, I think, that goes into really, like, being good at catching lake trout through the ice yeah for sure i mean i when i first started that i didn't really move around and that was some of my problem i think you gotta find you gotta just find fish yeah and i mean it's more work because you gotta move and drill Mm -hmm. move and drill and but having a fish finder helps you know too just if anything just to know water depth yeah that's a biggie just knowing the water depth These kids are cooking up herring for dinner, I guess. <laughs> yeah, heaven forbid you cook up one of the one of the fresh pike we've caught. Cook up the bait herring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, so I, you know, just like I said, knowing water depth. The way I used to do it is, and also that discouraged me from drilling more holes because yeah. it was kind of like you never knew what was down there. Mm-hmm. So you'd want to be patient and just fish it and fish it and fish yeah. it. And, I wasted so much time doing that that it seems like just a a, a big time balance of um, <laughs> having your having a having bait in the water and you know trying that's probably oh, got to sure. be tough it, to figure out like how long you know how long is too long what do you fish you know if you're just prospecting how long do you sit there and fish a hole. Well, that's Without why, any action before you move, you know. That's why I say where that fish finders really came in handy is just being able to, you know, you can fish for a while. And if you don't mark any fish, you can move. I mean, you can always come back to the spot, yeah. but at least you know that yeah. you didn't, there was nothing there at the so time. So you weren't just not getting, you know. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, we've watched them on the, on the flasher and yeah. go, there's fish right there. You got your lure right in front of their face and they don't hit it. Yeah. Well, how many times did I do that before I had a fish finder? Mm-hmm. I and never you thought even, there was no fish. Yeah, I never even knew. 
you know, at least then if you know that there's some fish there, you, you'll be more persistent at trying to catch them, you know. So I, I, it definitely helps. I don't think it's needed, but for lake trout especially, I think I think it's a, 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 huge, a huge bonus if you can have one. Yeah, you know? I saw some, like a, was some tip or something that with those, uh, is the Vexlars, you can, if you got clear ice, I don't know what, when, how about like the kind of ice we'll get on those lakes, like four feet or five it, feet sometimes. If, like if, read through the ice? Yeah, read yeah, the depth they, through they the will. ice. They will. If you, uh, a lot of times if you just wet it, or even like if there was a hole, um, you know, you wet it or like you have a hole previous and it's froze over, yep. you know, you wet it, you could put that, that, uh, transducer on there. And a lot of times it'll read, it'll tell you the depth. Um, yeah, that could, I mean, regardless of marking fish, cause that's like one of the key things is what I gather is yep. your depth. Oh, for sure. So yeah, there's, there's advantages to having one. I mean, they, they do, they can get pretty pricey, you know, I mean, you shop around, you can find them on sale or used ones, but I ended up buying mine used. I mean, I just got one this year. I mean, yeah. And mostly is, I got sick of being outfished all the time by buddies, yeah. so I just finally broke down and, and got one. And uh, like I said, I haven't used that one on lake trout yet this year, so later on we'll see how that works out. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> I got to defend my derby title from last year. Yeah, so. tell me about that. <laughs> Uh, just me and my buddy. We always we always have our little dirt. We have a derby. We always kind of do every year. Whoever catches the biggest fish, you know, will make some kind of a. They got to either do something or pay in, you know, too. Like, well, whoever pay, pitches in twenty bucks, and then whoever wins, you know, yeah. gets the pot type thing. But uh, it's always something different. But usually he wins. I mean, he's won quite a few different times and. Last year, I I kind of I kind of snagged a fish right out from underneath him in the ice hut one night. <laughs> um, we'd been fishing all day long, and usually we'll in the at night we'll move into the ice hut, and mm-hmm. it seems like lake trout slows down a little at night too. And I've heard the burbot picks up. The burbot picks up, so usually that's we'll kind of just sit there and you'll be glued to that fish finder screen, you know, and yeah, like a poor man's TV or something. Yeah. And, um, just let it sit on the bottom for burbot, you know, and that's kind of what we were doing. It wasn't really dark yet. It was, it was getting dark, but it wasn't, it wasn't dark outside, uh, fully dark, uh, black. So anyway, well, Caleb's got another one. He's like 20 feet away. Yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to bother taking that one off the hook anyway. I think that's the same one again, isn't it? But anyway, we were, uh, I think I just had something hit. We decided just to get an ice hut. We were kind of tired of bouncing around all over the lake and he was in one corner. I was in the other of the, of the hut and, he had his fish finder. I didn't have anything at the time, so we're just jigging. Well, he sees this fish show up on his screen, and he's like, oh, I think that's a good one, you know? And 
He's probably got he's probably got a screen toward so you can't see it either. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I I mean I can see it if I'm looking across, but it's not you know not right in front of my face. And so I just frantically started jigging my line. Yeah. And it pulled that fish from his hole to mine and it just slammed my lure and ended up catching it and it was a 15 or 16 pound laker and, <laughs> and uh he was all mad, you know, and he'd already caught fish that day, but nothing to, of that size, you know. We pretty much go off of weight, so yeah. we weigh him and then keep track of him and and uh yeah, by far he didn't catch anything even close to that the rest of the trip. <laughs> and I rubbed it in pretty good just because he's always doing the same thing. He's always doing that to me. He gets he gets a little uh ornery after a while, like how many fish he's caught and everything and I was able to rub that in pretty good. Yeah, so, sometimes you gotta take advantage of that. Yeah, now I gotta defend the title, so <laughs> we'll oh see. man we were uh well talking speaking of he was the was he the one that dropped his gps down the hole yeah yep yeah his his gps is sitting at the bottom of the lake and uh had all kinds of information on it so wasn't too happy about that not only was it expensive an expensive loss just lost all that data that he had yeah. on the thing you know that uh yeah as i i that came up because I was standing over doing, scooping out a hole or something, and I got the this pistol and the chest rig, and I'm like, man, good thing I you know made sure this kydex was like tightened down. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, even... you could take this thing and hold it upside down and shake it, and it ain't gonna fall out because it'd be oh nice ten millimeter right down the hole. I didn't even think about that until you mentioned that. Yeah, that would be not fun either. I've always heard. My br- my ex brother in law he uh he lost a bow in the Chattanooga River yeah oh man got swept right off his raft got in a sweeper and it just oh went yeah yeah and he did I don't think he realized it at the time he realized it down the river further oh man. and we ended up going back looking for it and I I mean the chances of us finding it were probably pretty slim but we never did find the thing. <laughs> That was quite a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think if I've ever lost anything major. I've had my hat blow off in yeah. my boat. And I've I've mo well, I've had it happen more than once, let's just say. And most of the time I've been able to recover it before it sinks. Dylan's got a story about that on his first float trip he ever did. Um, lost his hat and that thing was long gone. It was like we could see it, and then before we could even get back to it, you know, rowing the raft, the thing just sunk. Yeah. And I remember a time when he was, uh, they were little, and we were, I was in the, I had the jet boat, and we were fishing. We were in the China, you know. I don't remember if we were just grayling fishing or maybe trying to catch kings or something, but he thought he'd be funny, and he knocked his sister's hat off into the river and. She was crying, and I had to chase after this hat, you know, and try to catch it. But we ended up recovering that one. It didn't. It didn't sink. So, yeah, it's like it's like shooting beavers. <laughs> you get a, get scoop them up before they sink. See? That's uh, yeah, I never that's, did that. You've never done that. No. Oh, it's I fun. I don't know how fast them things will sink, but 
not not very fast. Well, where I'm shooting, because there there's some areas that some areas you can shoot them in the spring, and some areas you can't. Um, but you'll you know cruise mostly. Like a lot of times, you won't see any during the day, but at night they're out cruising around. Yeah. And you'll see one, and you can't shoot them under power of the boat with the boat under power. So you got to you know basically get up there, shut the boat down. And dr- what works best anyway, seems like if you see one, especially if it's downstream, yeah, you see one, shut the boat down, let it drift, and they'll be swimming around. And then you got to sh- basically got to sh- shoot them in the head and then uh, with like a 22 mag or something. And then fire the boat up, get it over there real quick, and get them up before they sink. And you use like a net? I started yeah. using just a big landing net. Oh, okay. Because, you know, after losing a couple of them, not being able to grab them by the foot or something as they're kind of bobbing in the water and you're trying to drive, especially when you're by yourself trying to drive the boat and pick up yeah, this beaver them. out of yeah. the water. Wasn't there some story, maybe you told this before, about Frank and losing the landing net? No, Nick lost my landing oh, net Nick. handle last year because <laughs> we were up there and and Nick gets super wound up. So <laughs> it's, it's awesome to watch, but he, you know, shoot this beaver and he... uh we're pulling up, and he grabs the landing net, and it's, like, collapsed. And he grabs the handle and just goes, whoosh, and the handle goes, like, to oh, the lock light, it. Like but like, sling it out? Yeah, to thing. sling it out, but that little that little spring-loaded thing wasn't lined up with the hole, so the handle just went shooting off into the air and landed in the river and sunk. <laughs> he still hasn't got me new. Well, I probably owe him for something, too, but... <laughs> That was funny. Just so wound up <laughs> through my landing, the handle went you know fifteen feet up in the air and landed in the river. Never saw never saw it again. Yeah, I've ne- never never did that. At least every once in a while, you get one that's still got some life to it. There was one I was by myself too, and it was a big beaver. I uh, and I was shooting. I'd been lately been shooting either my seventeen Hornet or twenty two Mag. But I was shooting all my little suppressed twenty two and had some of these just I think it was like Ely match ammo oh, that yeah. was subsonic, but it was super accurate and shoot this beaver in the head. All I can see is his head and I see, you know shoot and I hear and he's like you know, and I'm like, ah oh, shoot, I missed him and the bullet just ricocheted. Boy, go up there, and he's floating there, you know, blood in the water. I'm like, oh, it actually got him, and I got him in the net, and almost like I was kind of having to turn upstream and scoop him up with the net in one, and he was so heavy, almost yanked the net out of my hand. I got him up in the boat, and he's kind of kicking and stuff, and I'm like, ah, you know, this thing, that bullet's not in this thing's head. I'm like, it just bounced it off his, bounced it off his head, and like, ah, like, he may just be stunned. I better shoot him again. But, like, he was too heavy for me to hold with one arm out over the edge of the boat and shoot him sure. in the shoot him in the head with my rifle at arm's length. So I had to just, I kind of flopped him on his back and got his head down over his body so I wouldn't shoot through the beaver in and punch a hole in my boat. Yep. And had to, have you, you ever, know, kind of uh, finish dispatching him, but... Have you ever weighed any of them? Like, what do you think's the biggest? Thing I've never got? weighed him. He was big. He was probably like, you know, I mean, I'd say pushing fifty pounds. 50 pounds. It was a big adult. But I don't know. Like, you know, they make 
the hides there right after breakup are still really good. They're not getting, they're not biting each other yet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can, and the carcasses are great bear bait. Yeah. So it's fun. Just get, you know, we usually get, there's no limit, but we usually get, I think, you know, five or six a spring. Sometimes, well, sometimes we've got a bit more than that, but I don't know. There's just, I don't like putting up beavers, so I yeah, don't want to kill too many more of them than I have to. They are kind of a lot of work. I mean, I, I just never, hate tacking them out. I don't want to have big sheets of plywood for tacking them out, A. You know, and I, I hate, I just hate tacking beavers. I don't know. Some people are, that's their thing, I get, you know, but not me. Yeah, my, my trapping partner's big in that he likes trapping beavers, and he got me hooked on them, uh, those wire rings. Oh, yeah, the hoops. Yeah, the hoops, and then just using uh, hog rings to, huh? you know, yeah. hook them out. And, I mean, I don't I don't know a lot about beaver, beaver trapping or anything. I mean, I've did it a few times with him and a few different t- years, you know, and we caught some good beavers. We got into some new area that hadn't been trapped, you know, in a long time and got some pretty large beavers, And but I bought some of those hoops and... You know, I I had did some, we did some spring trapping somewhere. No, it was, was it fall? It must have been fall trapping. And I used plywood. And I was, I thought the same thing. I was like, this is kind of a pain, you know. And uh, once I started using those hoops, I really liked them. The yeah. only drawback I can say with them that I found was, you could, oh, I just had a hit. Um, they kind of warp, so you gotta kind of twist and straighten them oh, all the time. Oh, I see. Because they'll they'll kind of warp or start the bow as the as yeah. the hide dries, because they gets tight tighter. Yeah. Make sure to bring them back. Cause I'm gonna have a fish here in a minute. Yeah, I just got one. Oh, you did. Nice. Maybe it's gonna pick up. Was he the biggest one you've ever seen? He catches this pike. He hooks into this pike earlier. He's a giant. He's the biggest <laughs> fish I've ever seen. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, was. it was nice. I mean, it's probably the biggest pike we've yeah. caught today. I think it is. But, yeah, that was pretty funny hearing him over there. <laughs> Hooting it. No, oh, thanks. Yeah, I had a hit. No, I don't feel anything. Yeah, it really died down. This is about the longest we've gone without... Kind of trying different levels of water here to see. Earlier we were hitting; they were hitting mostly off the bottom. But yeah. I caught—I mean, I caught some kind of midway up early in the morning. But there's been a few times I got to remind myself to actually kind of jig aggre- aggressively, like do like a two and a half, three foot. Yeah, you know, rip it up and then yeah. let it fall. Because there's been a couple times where I'm messing around and then I do that once and let it sit still and get hammered. Yeah, you know. I mean, I I kind of mix it up. Sometimes I do just let it sit there. I guess it. I don't know when they're when they're hitting. You can you can uh, once you figure that out, you can just about do it the same every time. But yeah, in the beginning, you don't know. You know, you don't really know how they're yeah. gonna. Are they gonna be on the bottom mid water? You know, you got to jig it or just let it sit. Yeah, which you know we can complain all we want. I just <laughs> I was telling you, I was telling you earlier. Growing up where I grew up, man, a day like today would have been lifetime <laughs> achievement fishing. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
like, oh yeah, I caught, you know, 30 pike today. You know, we're not catching real big ones, but they're not quite, to... not quite hammer handles either, you know? Yeah. They're still fun to catch and bring yeah. in. Well, in the beginning there, it's, well, it's been all year since I've caught fish, caught pike and, you know, you think it's a good one. You got to re, yeah, <laughs> re-gauge the feel. <laughs> oh man, this, this is a big one. Yeah. You pull it up and you're disappointed. You're like, uh, uh it's not really that big. I wonder if something did bite mine. I got, I got a rebate here. I think that bait's probably that piece of getting kind of old. Pike skin's getting pretty toast. It does hold on the hook good though. Yeah, it's usually you can catch fish after fish fish with that without them eating it and tearing it off. Keep this up long enough, Caleb's gonna have all the fish cleaned. I know. I see he started on them. Yeah, that was funny. What you were saying, um, which I guess speaking of when you're getting hammered, what's too say what's too early to start drinking when you're ice fishing <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning? <laughs> then you were telling me about your buddy that that you guys he stepped out and you like hooked one of a beer can. Onto one of a full beer can on through the tap. Yeah, he had to. He stepped out of the hut to go take a leak, and we took a full beer and clipped it onto his hook, dropped it down the hole, and let it sit at the <laughs> bottom. And, uh, yeah, all the ice fishing shenanigans are kind of funny sometimes, but keeps all, it real. Yeah, all in good fun. Yeah, yeah. I was telling you some stories earlier about. Things that I w- had thoughts about doing but never did, that would be pretty funny. I'm going to keep them in the back of my book. Yeah. My, or back in my back pockets <laughs> yeah. for other trips. <laughs> I don't know. Some of those ideas, when you get them, you got to hang on to them. Yeah. You got to, I don't know. I'm like that anyway. Some people can ju- have just got it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, I get one br- great idea every once in a while, and I got to milk them for all their worth. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm not. Some of those I, guys that, you know, elementary school or what, you know, you get in some, you know, insulting match. And then that night, I'm like, oh, I should have said this. Yeah. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard you say that multiple times, too. Oh, that's, I'm still like that. I, I oh, I man, I wish I would have said this. Yeah, some. I'm not really like, sometimes I'm not real witty like that where I can, oh, I'm in, in the heat of the moment, come yeah. up with that idea, you know, but... It's usually after, but yeah, I'm so right. bad. Sometimes I'll I'll get one that I'll think of something, and then I got to put it on the shelf so that when the opportunity comes up, it can. It's like I just came up with it <laughs> when that thing's been sitting in the on the back burner for months. Yep. Like, some I was telling my wife last night because I, I was looking for a headlamp, one of my headlamps or something, and I was, I was something reminded me of it or what. I don't know what reminded me of this, but my um, years ago, I was in Home Depot getting something for work, and when I was, you know, still insulating full time, and I was going to check out, and then like this where they have the batteries, and they usually have some of those cheap headlamps and stuff. They had a Disney Princess headlamp, <laughs> and I'm like, I got to get this. Like, I don't know when, how, or when, but this is gonna coming useful someday so that thing set my truck for probably six months and then one day we were out on fort wainwright 
working in a couple manholes and <laughs> whole crew, you know, and uh, they're down there and my dad shows up and he's, you know, actually doing, putting stuff on and working that day and he shows up Tyler, do you have a do you have an extra headlamp? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> he wore that thing. He had to wear that thing all day. <laughs> you just see your dad wearing that oh, thing too. Man. Yeah, just... he wasn't too proud to wear it, but he. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was great. Yes, I do. Have... As a matter of fact, I do have a spare headlamp. <laughs> The whole thing, like purple Disney headband, and I thought I was pretty. Thought I was pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's nice to get out. It was nice riding riding behind you, two stroke guys. I do miss two stroke, two stroke smell. I'm riding this four. I do like my four stroke, but there's a few things you know. I don't know, like winding up a two stroke. Yeah, and I, the and the that two-stroke exhaust smell. I love it. Yeah, I do. I do too. Actually, it's uh, I it's that's one of those smells that I don't know when you smell it. There's always like memories or like something a memory that pop trigger your, smell. Pop, yeah, pops into your head. You know, oh, I remember that one time. Or it just it triggers that, or just the whole thing of just okay, it's it's winter time and. You know, you're going to be whatever you're doing, trapping, ice fishing. You're out doing something. Yeah. It's just one of them smells that triggers triggers thoughts and memories. But it's kind of cool. Yeah, the, I don't know, the four strokes versus the two strokes is kind of an interesting thing. I We were talking about how the power is just different. Yeah. You know, between them. And, it's a totally different feel, you know, like those... Your typical two strokes, especially now you get in those E-Techs that have so much power. Yeah. It's just like the, because I can't say that the throttle response is bad with mine. It's just, it's different. Like mine will go at like 2,300 RPMs. That track will start spinning. It'll start, it'll start driving. Whereas, you know, some, like a lot of your classic two stroke, you got to wind them way up before yeah. the clutch will engage. Yeah. Um, I, but you do, when you're going, you get like a, very like a much more punchy throttle with a two stroke it seems like yeah i think the four stroke and i'm sure there's differences obviously between different models but i think the four strokes have the power it's just the way that power actually feels yeah i think so it doesn't have you know because they do have i mean they have power it's just not the snappiness that like a two stroke would have yeah like i don't know it's hard to explain you kind of got to they're definitely different. The few that I've rode, they feel the feel of them is definitely different. You know. Yeah, I mean, I would say almost a little boggy, not quite boggy, but it's you just don't have that that punch to it. Yeah, it's a gradual. It's like everything's gradual with them. They're not, you know, the power band. I guess is real gradual. Yeah. <clears throat> you can't. My yeah. The worst thing is you can't say oh, a little bit of brap. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing right now. Yeah. Brap. <laughs> They definitely don't brap. <laughs> no. Well, I... Well, these complain. 550s don't really brap either. No, they don't. I mean, I, I can tell with them things. They're, I mean, they got enough power to do this kind of stuff, but they by no means are like some powerhouse that you're going to be able to just, you know... I mean, I've towed a lot of stuff with mine. Yeah. But it's kind of low and slow type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. You know, it's not... You're not going to do it fast. Mm-hmm. 
but I mean, I've, I've actually towed some pretty good loads with that thing and it's, it's, I can't complain. It's always did the, did the job. I'm just, I'm disappointed in fuel mileage. It's the only thing that I don't like about it. And yeah. Whereas with that, that four stroke of mine that got that 600 and it, it gets, I don't know, over 20 miles to a gallon. Yeah. That's, that's really good. I, those five fifties are always, they're good, typically good, dependable motors, but man, they guzzle it. Yep. Which is weird. You wouldn't think that that yeah. thing would burn that kind of fuel. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's probably that what horsepower that thing is. It's probably only about sixty or seventy horsepower. Probably, maybe I don't know. And uh, which is crazy because I remember when the eight hundred E techs came out, they were like one hundred twenty horsepower. Yeah, well, there's some of them mount sleds now they got on the market are. It's scary for me oh, anyway oh, yeah. i they're way beyond my level of riding yeah i mean back when i was into that stuff i mean we we thought a sled with 160 or 170 horse was a lot and those were highly modified and everything yeah and i think a lot of the machines now stock or have got that kind of power so yeah it sounds painful and expensive oh, there we go about damn time oh and he got off. I was going to say, about damn time. I'll have to catch him, I guess. Yep. I need to get some of my... Yeah, this is pretty lame. This literally is like the longest stretch I've gone with it since we started talking without hooking one up. Some of that lip glue is what I needed. <laughs> lip glue. <laughs> I'm telling you, that stuff works. Oh, I'll have to take I your can't word talk, for I it. I can't talk about that on here. It's secret sauce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't have the proper ice fishing stance sitting in my chair. That's the problem. No, I don't think I do either. Yeah, you didn't quite get your full Bill Dance Bassmaster yep. hook set. And <laughs> hard mouths, man. Yeah, they, they do have some hard, bony miles. I should have touched up these, these hooks. Like I was telling you, them hooks were ones I had on here last year, I think, and I'm sure they're kind of dull. I think the one I had, you know, this, this well, this is yeah, I've gone through a couple different lures today, but, or spoons, but I put, last year I put all new hooks on them, and I wasn't sure about them, but I do kind of like they have a real long shank single hooks so yeah. it's a long enough shank even these bigger pike you know you run it through the top of their mouth you got enough hook there that you can without having to get your pliers most of the time you can bend that hook around and get get your finger in you know in there to rip to that hook out, out yeah without ever sticking your hand in their mouth yeah i don't really know what which is not something i'd recommend no <laughs> didn't that that was it the first one of the first ones i caught this morning Latched onto your brother's glove and yeah. was hanging there for like two or three minutes. Well, they, I think it's instinctual. If you ever look at them, like even when you're trying to get that lure out, they, as soon as you stick anything in their mouth, if their mouth is open and you put something in there, oh, they clamp yeah. down on it. And they usually won't let go. And, uh, yeah, they got some, they got some teeth. That's for sure. Yeah. I even get, tend to get my gill finger tore up because, you know, you can kind of gill them. If you just slip it, you don't actually get in the gills, but under that gill plate. Yeah. But you still, usually it'll end up squeezing that last gill plate 
or rack of gills or whatever against your finger, you st- I get you got to be careful pulling it. But if you just go to like drop them back in the hole, you're gonna leave some skin. Yeah, <laughs> have some some damage. I typically like down at Chitna. Yeah. Netting. After handling all those fish, my hands are tore up by the oh, end of yeah. the day usually because you know. And obviously, I'm not careful with those because I'm keeping them all. Yeah. You know, but it's like I just grab them, but their teeth and just your hands are wet and mm-hmm. you know usually i get home and my i got they're just raw just little scratches and stuff all over your fingers and just part of it i guess i ought to save a few of these carcasses for stink baits this spring yeah we've used them before they they do work pretty well throw them in a five gallon that's which here uh what baiting officially starts in a month basically but it's not like i don't know i've never had any luck in april i haven't either i usually don't get too excited till about the middle of may or so it seems like i'd usually try to get my baits out by if i could get them out by that first first part of may they may not be going that great yet but at least you got to get them out yeah yeah You know, younger years, we used to, like, season would open, and you'd be, like, snowshoeing trails, (laughs) hauling barrels. Then after how, you know, several years of not, you know, having a bear even touch it till late May, which I got to step over and take a leak. Lost your, you lost your bait, huh? Yeah. We're all rebaited up. (laughs) Yeah, I had to go grab some. Well, it's probably going to be time to pull the plug here for too long. Yeah, I'm hoping that we'd get another. It'd be nice to get another little watt, you know. That's what I'm hoping for here. Another watt of them. Yeah, it seems like they go in spurts for sure. That was bait was getting pretty old, too. Now that that sun went down, it's cooled off. Kind of cooled off. Yeah, I'd take my sunglasses off. I've been wearing these rose-colored glasses all day. It's... <laughs> Eyes have to readjust. Yeah. Yeah, we're having though. having having emergency fire starting practice over here. Yeah. I don't think I don't think we're gonna survive <laughs> yet. <laughs> Need more practice. Yeah. And more rolls of toilet. More paper. More rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that uh, that's one thing, man. I I don't know. I've always birch bark's always been my go-to. Yeah, I I like birch bark too, just for that. It burns so good. Seems like even you know whether it's an old dead one or or green, you can rip it off a tree and you know hit a match to it, and it'll. Well, it gives you time because it yeah out of the oils or whatever that's in it, it burns a little longer than a lot of stuff does. Yeah, especially like toilet paper any of that newspaper even but yeah trying to explain that to dylan last year yeah you know it was always it's funny and 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 having all the wood there just like what we were talking about earlier and having you know starting little and working your way up instead of you know just lighting matches (laughs) one after another and holding into the big stuff (laughs) I don't know, it's, yeah, and I, I have a feeling it's going to be like that with, with my son, just, you know, 
you get to a certain point and you take all sorts of things for granted. And then when you got to teach someone who really doesn't know yet, yep. um, you've, it's almost like, I don't know, gives you a whole different outlook on it that, Hey, you know, and you start remembering, Oh yeah, I didn't know this <laughs> start starting out. Yeah. Well, I remember I, uh, you know, growing up being around black powder and stuff, shooting and that, uh, you know, learned how to use a flint and steel, like a true flint and steel. Mm-hmm. Um, to start like those a fire. little horseshoe shaped yeah. strikers. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got Dylan one of those for Christmas one year and basically showed him how to do it. We spent, I used to be really good at it. Like I could be super fast. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to show him and it took, it took me a while to get it, to get it back. And so after I showed him how to do it, you know, I showed him how to make a, char cloth yeah and we take jute you know and you use it as a tinder i mean there's mm-hmm. other things you can use as a tinder but jute works good anyway uh he finally did it he was able to do it out in the driveway just practicing you know and, yeah and uh it was kind of like the biggest fish we ever saw when he caught it yeah <laughs> it was the same thing when he got that fire going with the flint oh, steel man. but it's pretty fun i i Back in high school, I did a some I can't remember what class I was in. It was like a uh, maybe it was like speech class or something they called it. Yeah, but you had to like you know do things in front of the class. Yeah, it was yeah. all like reports and it was but there were different different uh, subjects and one of them was a uh, you had to do like a demonstration type speech. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to do one on building the fire with flint and steel, so I did. Yeah. And I had to get all this permission so I could build this fire in the classroom on, like, a big piece of plywood. You yeah. Know? But they were the kids were amazed, man. They, were, I mean, never seen nothing like that before. But. It's, you know, there's a lot of valuable skills like that to have, man. I mean, even as, as elementary as it seems and basic as it seems, man, just having all sorts of different ways to start a fire on you. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, mean, it's, I don't know, like any time on my boat, even my life jacket, I mean, I've got like three or four different ways to start a fire, you know, everything from ideally right now to a little bit, a little bit tougher stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, like with a boat too, I, and I'm not, not like every time am I in my boat, I do this, but it's something that's always in the back of my mind because, I mean, if you ever got, you know, sunk your boat in a sweeper or something, yep. whatever you have on you is what you've got. It's not like you're going to be able to rummage through your boat to find your little emergency Yeah, you can't or, count on having anything that was in your boat. Yeah, so, I mean, having some of that stuff on your person is uh, is is smart. Oh, uh, you got one? Yeah, he's still on there feels like maybe a good one. I don't know. It's been so long since I caught one. <laughs> feels like a good one. It's like 12 <laughs> inches long now. 16, maybe. <laughs> He's like exaggerating. The, it's like the smallest <laughs> pike I've caught all day. <laughs> There's pliers if you need them. Oh, she feels like a good one. I think I, I can get it. But, uh, man, all the lampreys all over these things. Just tons of them little mini yep. lampreys yep. you pull them out on the ice and then the lampreys are just 
squiggling all over the place. Hey, didn't even lose my yeah, bait. That one came out little bit of action anyway. Well, maybe it's going to pick up. Down the hole you go. Right back bit. out. <laughs> He's small enough he could turn around in the hole. Get down there. That's why I'm on top of the ice fishing for you. <laughs> you're, you're setting in a little lake right I'm there. sitting in a lake, an overflow lake. Yeah, I shoveled some snow off around this hole to, for like a good spot to sit in my chair. Oh, well. Yep. I don't know. What was I talking about? Oh, oh starting a fire, yeah. Yeah, being prepared with your... Uh, yeah, or, you know, out snow machining or... I don't know, like, there's been times out trapping, especially way early on when I was just running... Had, had a just a garbage junk sled, you know. Sled doesn't... You know, something happens with the sled. It doesn't want to start. And uh, what do I got going here, huh? You know, sled doesn't want to start after I've been cutting trail or whatever. And then, you know, and then it's like try to, I remember one time it was so flipping cold. I shouldn't even have been out. It was like 40, 45 below. It was so cold, you know, my sled wouldn't start. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to get a fire going to kind of warm up and re, I don't know, get my bearings or whatever. And it was so cold, I, I had something that I was able to dip gas out of my gas tank and light a match or whatever, or lighter gas wouldn't ignite, like, with a flame. Because, you know, you think about the flash point of that gas, the ignition point is such and such degrees, and, you know, it's going to hit... When it's that cold, it can be tough to get it lit. Yeah, well... Even yeah. using gasoline, which is like, oh, well, that's the guaranteed way to get a flame going. I carry in my uh, box there on my sled, you know, I got a... Um, I carry one of those propane torches. Yeah. I mean, I know if it's really cold, obviously the propane's not going to flow very well, but I think it would have enough flame... Like, if you got wet or something where you really had to get a fire going quick. Yeah. You know, you could lay that thing down right on wood, birch bark, get your stuff, whatever, you know. Yeah. Probably have a fire going pretty quick rather than trying to sit there with matches or a lighter or who yeah. knows what. I know on my, and I actually, I want to, because this last year on my life jacket, because I also recently started wearing a life jacket, Um, I... I had just had a sealed, like a road flare sealed in plastic, just taped onto my jacket. I've heard of guys doing because I mean I've having a road flare, you know. I've started fires with them. I mean they're it's not messing around. They burn hot and they start right now and they burn for a long time. Yeah. Um. So if if you can keep it dry, obviously that's not like my only fire, fire starter. Source. But yeah. shoot, I've thought you know if you just cut those road flares down. Oh, and have like... Cut it in one. half or yeah. a little less, you know, or a little shorter and just leave the striker end on there. Even if you had to, you know, figure out some backup way to strike them, um, you know, you can and seal that up in a plastic bag real good and stick it in your life jacket. I mean, you climb out of the water, pull it out, and you got your yourself a fire going pretty quick, even with, you know, not ideal conditions. You can throw bigger wood right on top right on it right there and get get a fire going quicker that's my thinking anyway behind no, it no i i think that's so good. i think they'd be good to have in the trapping sled too yeah no that's that's a good idea that's probably better than my torch idea just 
I don't know, because it's all about speed at that point. Yeah. You know, if you need it that quick. I mean, it's one thing if you're just going to willy-nilly yeah. build a fire to warm up real quick or something. But, you know, if, I mean, if it's a emergency, like you fell through the ice or. Yeah, you get, you know, you get sloshed in overflow and, you know, from your knees or waist down when it's 20 below or 30 below, like you're going to be in some trouble if yep. you don't get warmed up. I mean, even if that means getting yourself a big white man fire going yep. just so you can strip down and dry stuff out a little bit. Yeah, that would, uh, I've, I've been pretty fortunate, never had, uh, anything like that happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we've gotten stuck in the water and different things, but nothing major to where you're like, it's like, we got to do this now or we're going to, someone's going to die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think, I don't know, part of avoiding, you know, those instances you could argue are rare, but part of not experiencing those are being careful. Oh, in definitely. other ways, you know, I, that's something that I don't know. You can call me a pansy or whatever, but there's, I I usually don't go into stuff haphazardly, you know, just especially in the winter time. Yeah, I mean up here because I mean it doesn't take. I've had a few little instances in that case, you know, in the winter where I, well, I had my my sled. You're talking about piece of junk sleds, you know. I had one blow up on me. And I had to walk back. Yeah, it was like. Six or seven miles. It wasn't like extremely far, but still in the snow, well, even on was, a trail. It was on a trail, but it was still not fun. To, yeah, to walk. I mean, and I had nothing. I had like no food for energy. You know what I mean? Yeah, no yeah. water because I just didn't carry it because it'd be froze anyway. Yep. And yeah, by the time I got back to the truck, I was pretty uh, pretty wore down, really. Oh, yeah. You know. Well, and then all you got to do is get tired. Oh, well, I'm just going to sit down and take a nap. Take that's a nap. Like the fa- yeah. That's like the famous last. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I just want to take a nap, and then you don't wake up. Yep. Type of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think especially in a lot of places up here, you're kind of always on the brink. I don't know, not to like play it up or make it sound... Yeah, scarier, danger, more dangerous than it is. But I think you're always like one or two bad, dis- poor decisions away from a very dangerous situation. Well, things can go downhill quick. That's the yeah. biggest thing. It's not that, you know, and that could happen anywhere. But I think just up here too, though, the remoteness of things. There's places, I mean, your cell phone ain't going to work. No. You know, I mean, unless you got an SOS button on your inReach or a sat phone or, you know, and not everybody has all of that. I mean, the yeah. inReaches are pretty popular anymore, but. Um, the nice thing about the inReaches is they're two-way. I just read an article about how those, a guy had to, he had shat, you know, broke his femur or something major, like big time emergency. I don't think it was up here. I think it was in the States, um, but had major injury, hit the emergency button and it, Something, I can't remember how he got out there. Someone notified, you know, the rescuers and they came and got him, but it wasn't the spot. Like the spot emergency never went on. Like the SOS didn't work. Oh, it didn't work? Yeah. Oh, wow. But at least the in-reach, you have two-way communication, you know. Yeah, oh, so that was like a spot? It was a spot, yeah. You know, not to be for or against the spot, but I do like having the two-way 
Well, yeah, that and I think the InReach what uses Iridium satellite, which yeah, I think is Iridium's the most reliable. So I mean, that's that says a lot, you know. I yeah. think, like you know, I told you before. I I think maybe it was the last podcast we I talked about that a little bit. You know how I just got an InReach, and you yeah. know, there's times that it's. I'm glad I have it yeah. for that reason. You know, I mean. Even if you never turn the thing on. Yeah, I mean, typically, like right now, I've got it with me. I have mine too, but yeah. it ain't on. Yeah. I'd still have to physically turn the thing on and connect it to my phone. And <laughs> But even <laughs> you know, if, if the very, you know, message, at least. like say you're out in a spot like this, you know, because, you know, where you're trapped, it's not uncommon to be in a place as, we're not super remote, but we're not close to anything either you know where something happened even, even if it's just as simple as your sled breaking down yeah when you got that you can text someone and be like hey come you come know the difference between even for a prepared guy like a severely like not happy uncomfortable night and night or two or three before someone finds you or you have to walk out yep well if you think about it you know we're it's easy to go 40 50 miles on a snow machine oh yeah fast fast you ain't walking that. No. In a day. Nope. And especially in the, I mean, depending You're just on the not, temperature. Like, arguably not even, you know, we'd be equipped to kind of hack it out and, and survive, if you want to say that, but like not equipped to walk the 30 some miles back to the truck. No. Well, and it, a lot of it depends on the temperature though. Like, yeah. I would have no problem this this these temperatures, but if it's 30 below zero and yeah. you don't have a sleeping bag and- I mean, I try to, if I know I'm going out when it's that cold, I try to have a sleeping bag and a bivy. Um, I'm almost a little more prepared. Yeah. But it would be absolute flat out miserable. That I mean, I'm sure I could survive, but I wouldn't. Uh, and I'm talking too, where you can't get help. Yeah. You know, just like on my trap or our trap line. I mean, there's nothing. Yeah. You're, you break, just break down something as simple as being broke down. And if you're by yourself, you're not getting out of there Yeah, that day, you know? And, and, uh, that's where I think that end reach is nice. Cause I would just text somebody and be like, Tyler, Kevin, whoever, my brother, you know, come get me. I'm, this yeah. is where I'm at. And it makes it an inconvenience rather than. Yeah. You know, sometimes a major inconvenience, yeah. but it's not, it definitely makes things safer. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know, small price to pay, I guess, to have that, to have that capability. Like I said, I had a sat phone before, but just because of the cost of it, I never used it. Yeah. I mean, it little bit out of what i would want to spend you know and, yeah, and it's no also kidding. bigger i mean you look at them in reaches they're not big and even those like those in reach minis i haven't messed with one but i that, gather that it's basically all the same except everything you do is through your phone yeah and that's what i've got because i do i do the same thing through my phone on my in reach but well that's what i weighed when i when i bought that that those are the things that i kind of weighed mm-hmm. between the normal the in reach xp or whatever the 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 mate the big one is like you've got yeah versus the mini yeah and everybody that I talked to said that you know well I connected to my phone anyway because otherwise it's like a flip phone when you're mm-hmm. texting 
You know, oh, it's worse than a flip phone. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it was like, well, why would I carry around the extra size and weight? Um, I don't know. I have no complaints with mine so far. Nice. I mean, I always have my phone with me. Yeah. Regardless. That's something that's changed, you know, oh, in recent yeah, that's years. Oh, a lot of stuff. You know, even like, you know, your phones like are better, have a better camera than just about anything you would ever carry in your backpack or whatever five years ago. Oh, for sure. You know, it's bet. Yeah. It's like the first few sheep hunts I went on, I had like disposable cameras and, you know, my phones, uh, I don't know that, that it's just such a, in arguably pretty useful tool. Oh yeah, you know, it definitely is. I, I mean, can totally see the anti-technology side too, but man, I sure like having it. No, I'm, I'm that way. I, you know, I'm glad I have it, but it's also one of them I always have it, even if I don't have cell phone service. I'm using it whether for the camera mm-hmm. or now it's mostly too because of the the in reach. Yeah, but uh, well, that man, like I just for the type of like videos I like to do, pretty like convenient, ru- pretty pretty rudimentary, but you know, like do some time lapses and just there's a few neat things that your phone can do that oh, it's just. Well, that's what I've I've learned with trying to shoot video with my cameras. You can get some great video, mm-hmm. but it complicates the with the, your DSLR, the uploading you're of the video, and you know you really you if you, you if you do that you really got to edit and do a bunch. I mean, it's not as convenient as a phone. Yeah, you know, and. Oh, I think I had some. Oh, and I'll do a, I thought I might have had a little bumpity bump. And I mean, I'll do both. I li- I really like for most of the video stuff, I like that little handy cam that has the image stabilizer. Yeah. I've been super happy with that because it's handy and it, you know, can do like pretty far, you know, video, like getting shots on video and animals yep. moving around without having to set up a tripod and have a super long lens or anything like that. You know, I mean, for what I like doing, it's, it seems to work pretty good, but uh, then you can get your time lapses and stuff with your phone. Yep. It's super, super easy. One thing I haven't figured out and I'm sure it's something easy, but I've got some, well, actually it's ice fishing stuff that I filmed with the phone. Yeah. And I, for some reason when I, put it in my uh my editing software like i tried putting it into some other video i shot with my Mm -hmm. sony my wouldn't huh well the it's like the file format doesn't i can't i haven't figured out how to match it oh so it always looks it looks like it was shot on a you know a phone it always has got that cropped effect like uh yeah even if it's horizontally shot yeah Hmm. And I don't know how to, how to, I'm sure there's a way to change it. I know there is. I just don't know how you do it. Maybe you could change, I mean, this is like, I don't know. I know nothing about this. I know very little about no, this I, stuff and it kind of. I've tried learning this stuff. It could be maybe just changing the aspect ratio of that clip before you put it into your editing software. And it may be. Or before you try to combine it. Well, and I don't know. I should really not. We should really keep my mouth shut about this well, kind of stuff because I don't I'm, know. I'm pretty new with with some of that stuff. Trying to, as far as the video, trying to figure that out. Um, 
because even with still photos, there's a lot there's a there's oh. a lot more to it than oh. people realize. Nice. You know what I mean? Boy, that was just a light little. I've had a couple of those, like just like barely could feel it, and that was the bottom of the ice one. <laughs> yep, took my bait. I got one more chunk of bait, so we'll give her one last little hurrah and probably. That's going to be the lucky one. It's going to be the lucky one. 47 incher. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. I've never caught one quite that big. No, I haven't. I've I doubt never. there's very many of them in here like that. That size. Well, everybody I talked to, oh, we we're catching 40 inchers. I've never I've left never and caught, right. I've never caught a forty. I've the guy that you met earlier when they left. He caught one last year when we were down here fishing. He said they caught a forty incher that was twenty pounds. Yeah, the this this yeah yesterday or whatever. Yep. So they caught one that was 12, which is about normal for that size of fish, and then one that was 20. Which, I mean, this, like the mid-30s fish we've been catching have been, like, not, like, quite football-wide, but... Yeah, but they've been pretty girthy. I think Fish and Game told them that was the biggest fish they'd seen down here, didn't oh. they? Ain't that what he told them? I think it was. Oh, maybe. Or at least this year. I don't know yeah. if it ever, but... Yeah, I'm really surprised, man. It's just turned off. Yep. Anyway, I guess we probably better wrap <laughs> wrap this up, but uh now it's been you get you get in two podcasts in a row now. I know. <laughs> this is like a I don't know if this one's going to be any good at all. We can't. Well, but, we were uh, hoping to catch some fish here. Yeah, hoping to like have some entertainment while we're doing this. So yeah, we're just kind of sitting here jigging and BSing. So it's like I don't know. It I is don't know what, what it to is. think. Maybe we should have did it first thing in the morning. Oh, left. But it. we would have had no fish probably. Well, either <laughs> that. I don't know. It's tough to do it when you're in when you're in the heat of it. You know, it's yeah. like anytime you get out fishing, it's like you just got to get get a good fix right away and then you can go eat lunch or drink some coffee or well i drank first cup of coffee when you were drilling holes i said that's what i like about your auger is it's a one-man auger <laughs> so i don't have to feel bad for not helping drill holes no i don't i don't mind drilling holes for sure but yeah that's why i kept the first couple fish i caught was because i was kind of putting the feelers out to see how good the fishing was gonna yeah. be because I've did that before too, turned stuff loose and been like, and then not catch not anything. Catch anything else. Or... Where's your dinner? It's in the <laughs> it's, it's in the water. <laughs> yeah, explain that to the wife when you get home because you tell her you passed up a 15 inch bull moose because you knew you were going to shoot something bigger and then you came home with nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that happen before, so <laughs> I know by firsthand experience. You what? Well, I got chewed out the other day or yesterday because a guy had got a one of a Nunavak musk ox and it just got it back into town and was talking to you. I told him, yeah, I'll, I'll flesh it for you. And, uh, I said, what I can't remember what I told him was 
the whole, you know, life-size muskox hide is a fair bit of work to flesh and prep. And I can't recall. Basically gave him a price, price complete, and then a price, you know, basically like either, you know, with without the feet was the main thing. He said he wanted the head because the head's kind of a pain in the ass to take care of too. But uh, he said he decided he, you know, just wanted to cut the feet off or whatever and do that. So it was told him I, I wouldn't wouldn't charge him quite as much because it skinning out those hooves takes a fair bit of time too and anyway I get the thing all thawed out and I couldn't bear to cut the feet off so I just cut them out and I just couldn't do it I couldn't cut them off even though that's I don't know getting yeah. all sentimental <laughs> but no I uh well, I told my wife, I was like, oh, honey, I just couldn't bear to cut them off. <laughs> She's like, come on, Tyler, you're too nice. It's like, it's not even your muskox. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, and you did those for free. And I did those for free. <laughs> just because, like, that was a bonus. <clears throat> yeah. As we were talking that, about that, you know, with oh. furs and stuff, too, it just seems to be a shame to cut that stuff off. But Yeah. I guess cats and stuff, even though, you know, garment market cats, they're cutting all the feet off before they ship. Yep. It just seems, I don't know, what's the, well, to I me, lo- something about a complete, like properly put up skin, you know? I agree. Well, and the thing is with lynx, that's what's so cool about lynx is they're, feet. oh yeah. And then you're chopping them off. But I mean, I get it that they're, you know, that's not used as far as garments. And it. It'll end up damaging a lot of hides yeah. if they leave them on in the tumbler. It just rips their claws, rip holes and stuff. But yeah, it's still just like I don't know whether you want to call it sentimental or not. But I don't know. I I like the feet on them, and I I leave the feet on. If somebody doesn't like them on there, they can chop them off. But yeah, After- Martin don't bug don't bug me. No, Martin Martin don't me too much anymore. I mean, back in the day, I used to even do those, but. It's too kind time consuming to do them things when you can have a Martin done in fifteen or twenty minutes and Yeah, or like an hour and a half. Yeah, versus an hour and a half, you know, it's like when you know that Martin's going to the I mean, I've done a few mountables, you know, and it's it's a pain like it's tedious. They're so fragile. I, you know, but the vast majority of Martin are just going to the garment market, so yeah. they don't want the feet. Well, that's that Martin that I had mounted. I just took it whole to him. I didn't even skin it. I just said, here you go. Yeah. I just let them. let him do it, and he can have it however he wants it, you know. And Because uh, I know some of these taxidermists, too, or they're kind of, they're picky with who does their skinning, skinning and, yeah. and all that, so. Yeah, most, most guys will just want it, would prefer to, unless they, you know, you're like a verified... Yeah, yeah, they well, know it, you're doing it the way they want it. They yeah. just rather do it themselves. It saves them, saves them work usually. Yeah, but for sure. Anyway, I guess we'll sign sign off here and uh, start packing stuff up and whatever. But it's been a heck of a fun day, man. And uh, hopefully, this audio turns out halfway decent. So yeah, hopefully, that well, was fun. All right. Well, if uh, you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com. And thanks for listening.